ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello, welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy Heller. A quick reminder, if you can't listen live, you can listen to the podcast on your preferred platform. Just text D-A-M-T-T to 55678 for details. You can also call into the show. The number is 425-373-5527. Or you can find me through my website, stacyconnects.com. So my guest today is Joanna Vargas. Joanna is a, well, she's many things. She has two spas. One is in New York. One is in L.A. She's got her own skincare line. She has a book. She is like the go-to girl um, esthetician for celebrities, influencers, and regular folks that want to take amazing care of their skin. She is also the cool girl that I went to high school with, and um, she's mom to her kids. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. You are um, dividing your time and running around, and so I appreciate you taking this time with me. It's a pleasure. You know, I always love hanging out with you. So, you know, if we have to just hang out professionally, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Works for me. Um, So usually what I do at the top of the show is I have my rant and ramble where I am talking mindlessly about the things going on in my life. So uh, that is what I'm going to start with. Yeah, it's it's a thing. So here's the deal, Joanna. I used to walk around the house talking to my mother and she wouldn't pay attention to me. She jokes that she literally took up dusting once I started talking too much and then she put it back down once I left the house. So <laughs> this is the um, the therapy in motion that I'm doing. So I just talk. Excellent. And the ironic okay. thing is my mother listens. So hi, mom. Hi, Diane. And Hi to Lee, and uh, she's also visiting with her other friends in Vermont right now. So, hey, everybody. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, here's the latest. Last week, I thought I had COVID. Hmm. So, that stinks. I'm vaccinated, the whole deal. Um, Hmm. Fatigue, sore throat, headache, the whole thing. And then food did not taste great. Now, here's the thing. There was a taste, but it was a mad taste. And, you know, you don't get the figure that I have by not liking food. So I was like, what is going on? Food is just not tasting great. Something's wrong. This is it. This is the whole COVID no taste thing. So I went in Mm -hmm. and I got a test and no, I did not have it, which I am so grateful for. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, Right. Um, But the ironic thing is I got so excited that I didn't have COVID that I then proceeded to overdo it for a couple days because I was like, I'm not sick. But no, I was sick. It just wasn't COVID. So kind of forgot to take care of myself. Um, But now I'm back. Back better than ever. Um, The other, so really nothing happened last week that was terribly exciting. This weekend, Charlie, the baby of the family, leaves for college. Oh, my goodness. That's so huge. I know. Oh, my God. Right? 
So Whoa. he is, uh, he just got his eyes checked and he's off to get his hair cut because he's been growing it out. And he's like, I have to go get my nails done. He has taken to getting uh, gel nails done. And I'm like, all right, man, like, <laughs> get your beauty on. <laughs> and That's awesome. meanwhile, I'll be packing up things like your bedding and toiletries, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, so, my son goes to boarding school, so I, that's my life in a nutshell. He just left on Labor Day and booked his facial and his haircut, and I had to order him nail polish and nail polish remover from <laughs> to be there when he arrived. So, right, anyway. like you get it. I mean, it's just yeah. it's fascinating. I will say, so he's going to Santa Clara, just like his older brother did, and awesome. Will graduated this past spring and so he is down there working and so I am so relieved that Charlie has a support system down there it makes me like okay he has someone totally I mean I've just absolutely treated him like the total baby I'm like I don't know what he's going to do with laundry he's what is he going to do if he can't wear five outfits a day and throw them in the laundry basket (laughs) he's going to figure it out like everybody does Uh uh-huh he totally is um, and I was convinced that I wasn't going to be that mom. And here I am. Fast forward 18 years. And I'm that mom that treats the baby like a baby. <laughs> so. You know, you love your kids. It, it happens. I, I always tell people that when you before you're a parent, you have all of at least I did. I had all these rules in my head. Like, I hate it when parents do blah. And when I am a mom, I'm not going to do this or that. And then you become a parent and you're like, um, yeah, sure. Have a Coke. I don't care. Or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever your stupid rules were beforehand. Like it just all goes into the toilet very quickly when you realize how active parenting is and how much you have to see the child that you have and respond accordingly, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, I just, you know, that whole like no wood to or only wood toys, no electronics thing. I'm like, totally. Uh, Forget it. Yeah. No. I you know. Like yeah, here, I here already, have a stick, chew on it. <laughs> totally. I already told my husband a long time ago, I'm not going to raise them Amish. Like we just have to kind of go with it and give them the tools that they need to, to, you know, not be ruled over by it, you know? Absolutely. And I'm finding that in raising the kids, it's really not about what, you know, certainly outside exterior forces are at play in raising your kids, but it's really what you help them create and believe on the inside. hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, you know, no matter what, influences they may have if they have that in our house we call it the moral compass I'm like you know if it if it deviates from your moral compass and by the way like your true north may be different than someone else's and that's okay but if it deviates and it you know that little arrow starts to shake because it's like that's not quite what I want to do then it's not right for you and you know just follow that sense yeah, absolutely. My both of my children have had different moments of that, and um, you know, it's quite challenging to be a parent when you just want to be like, just uh, go in there and blah blah blah. But it's those moments where you really have to give them the tools so that they can create their own decisions, and that's what what really teaches them what to do in life when you can't be there, like when they're at college or 
at school or, or what, I mean, I'd love to live my life for my son. That'd be amazing. I would make the best decisions ever all the time, but that is not (laughs) apparently what a mom is supposed to do. So, you know, going to have to do it this way. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Totally. I'm totally with you. Um, all right. Now the other big thing is that, um, yesterday I, I'm a, I'm a moderator on a podcast called Wisdom from the Wardrobe. It is a podcast that is about style. It is something that um, I worked with the team um, prior to starting my own business, and they've kept me on because I like to talk. And we were talking about how the Met Gala was yesterday and Mm -hmm. how excited we are to see it. And I was commenting that for all the people that were listening that aren't into fashion, I'm like, just to put it in context, this is the Super Bowl of fashion. And so even if, you know, I don't like football, but I watch it because it's like the thing. Totally. So totally. Um, it was yesterday. I had to work all day. And of course, with the time change, I was like, it was kind of great, though, because you get to see all of the looks. You don't have to wait yep. for them. And yep. it's so fun. Now, what's what makes me chuckle is that it's my Super Bowl as a spectator. For you, you're like on one of the like support teams in some ways <laughs> with what you do. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you are exhausted and your team. I'm I'm pretty tired. I am. I'm not gonna lie. It it is pretty exhausting. Um, the Met Ball happens in New York City, so um, I do have a lot of people, um, that come in for that, but I have to say that this, this year was an odd year because of COVID, you know, um, there weren't many, very many people that could come from Europe, for example. Um, so, you know, it was sort of my, I would say a more muted version of the Met Ball just because of everything that's gone on, um, in the past two years, but it was still a lot of fun. I mean, I try to have fun with it. I don't do anything that I don't want to do. Um, certainly if I didn't love what I, what I was doing, I wouldn't do it. I don't have to do it. I, it's a choice, you know, right. It's something I, I consider a privilege. Well, and you know, and that's exactly, um, and I want to talk about that later in the show. That's exactly one of the things that I'm trying to do because I'm hitting my stride starting now And, you know, you have built up and you, you know, you're the overnight sensation of, you know, doing this for your entire life. And now you are starting to reap some of the benefits. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to slog through the workday and get stuff done. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, people ask me that a lot. Like, do you ever go into work or how do you ever do facials anymore or anything like that, which I think is so funny. I mean, I'm in the office five days a week, like a normal person. Um, even when I'm not in the office, like if I'm somewhere I'm working every day, it's just, you know, it takes different shapes and different forms. And in that way, I'm, I'm quite lucky that it's not sort of, um, you know, the same experience every day, but it's, it's my normal. It's my, my thing that I've created for myself that I, I truly love. Well, it's, and it's your name and you know, you literally wear your name (laughs) everywhere and in everything that you do. And, you know, and that is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. I mean, the blessing is, you know, I'm, I've been 
able to enjoy um, some success from working hard, just like, you know, uh, the cliche, you know, if you work hard enough and if you're, if I think if you're true of heart in what you do, then, you know, um, good things will, will happen in return. I think, you know, I am responsible or I make myself very responsible for every person on my team, my staff on both coasts and, um, you know, and, and truly being there for them means that I have to show up. So, you know, during the pandemic, I think it was quite, um, challenging to, um, you know, kind of make sure that everybody was okay and manage all of that. But, um, you know, we made it through, um, again, just having the best of intentions and not every day is rainbows and cupcakes, but, um, I think when you have good intentions that shines through, even when you have an issue. Absolutely. And I love that. I mean, and that is your whole philosophy. I mean, your book glow from within, you know, it's that, it's yes, it's about being healthy in terms of the things that you eat and the exercise and your skincare routine. But it's also about the content of your character um, as much yeah. as it is about the content of your makeup bag or, you know, your, your refrigerator. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important for people. I mean, at the beginning of my career as a facialist, I would, I was younger and I would listen to um, women who were older than me you know, be quite hard on themselves and look at magazine um, photos of celebrities and such and think like, oh, she's so perfect. I just wasn't born that way and really rip themselves to shreds. And really, in all honesty, like everybody, um, I would like everybody to understand that so much goes into creating what we see in a magazine. And it's not um, just like, oh, he or she was born that way. Um, there really is a lot that goes into it. That's just more, you know, making healthy choices. So there is that, that thing again of making good choices in your life. And really it's not like, Oh, uh, to eat or not to eat, but more like, um, if, if something makes me feel bad about myself, let's change that behavior or change that decision just on it, you know, on a day-to-day basis to make myself feel better about myself, you know, and that that's where sort of like healthy choices with meals and um, healthy choices with bedtime, you know, like sleep is really important, you know, just those kinds of things really play a large part in what you see when you look in the mirror. Absolutely. And so does the negative self-talk. Like, you know, let's say someone I know had cheese doodles this morning because their kitchen is going under a remodel and it's what's available rather than um, beat themselves up. You know, they then have healthier choices for the rest of the day. Okay, it's me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, I'm not perfect. I I I got on an airplane very early this morning to come out to Los Angeles because the Emmys are this weekend. And um you know, I had some kind of airport food. I just didn't have enough time to make food before I left. And so then, you know, whatever, you just do it. And you're like, all right, well, I, I'll do better tonight. You know, I'm going to have a nice dinner with a girlfriend of mine. And um, I'm going to go work out in a little bit just to just to get the cobwebs out of my head and to make myself feel feel good today. That's awesome. Um, 
Okay, so I always end this part of the program with what I have dubbed a Staceyism, which is some amazingly wise thing that I have come up with or stolen from someone else. And today I actually did come up with mine. And it occurred to me that when I was talking with a potential client earlier today and they were talking about this period that especially a lot of they work with women go through when they hit 45 or 50 that mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out what to do with their career and some of them, you know, are starting to be empty nesters, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah. it occurred to me that if you hit reset at, let's say, 50, just because the symmetry of it all, it's like that zero to three or zero to five age that they talk about when you go from infancy to five and all of the different things that you are learning during that time, you're learning to see things in a different way. You're learning language. You're learning how to use your body. You're learning what it can do and the power of it. Wouldn't it be amazing if we hit a reset and we understood that from 50 to 53 or 55 or whatever it is, that we've mastered the basics and now we get to really understand and learn and be curious about language and intentional movement and what we can do mentally, physically, emotionally, etc. Huh? I mean, I like it. I like it because it's actually quite a common age for women and men to kind of do an overhaul, so to speak, of what do what do you want the next part of your life to look like? And um it's you know, of course again, I'm in the personal care space. So it's a lot of like I, I remember I had one client, She turned when she turned 50, she had dedicated her whole life to her children. Um, one of her kids was a professional ballet dancer. And, um, you know, she just really let herself go. And she just started working out. And at the beginning, her first goal was to get through a spin class without stop, stopping moving her feet. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it really took her several years to, to become the incredibly fit sporty person that she is today. But by 53, she was a different person. She had um, a whole set of new friends that she had met um, at spin class and she was doing different things and going out of town and doing just things that she were more focused on her. And I thought that that was like a really um, a good lesson and something I think about a lot for my own, you know, next part of my life. How do I want it to look? Right. Yeah. I just, you know, it just was this, wow, um, you know, getting to go through that again. And, you know, you've mastered that. You don't have to fall and hit your head on the cocktail table as you're cruising around. Instead, <laughs> you know, you can pick up a drink and like master that cocktail table and walk around it and work the room. So, um, totally. Yeah. So anyway, okay, let's take a quick break here. Uh, This is Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am joined by Joanna Vargas, and we will be right back after this message. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. 
Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh and relevant? Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. I am joined by my high school friend. Friend seems like there was 34 girls in the class. I mean, it's not that we weren't friends, but, you know, 34 girls, we were all friends and yet I always maintain that I even said to Eric um, before the show started, I was like, OK, she was the impossibly cool girl. You are crazy. I was not. <laughs> I was the deeply insecure girl. <laughs> well, and and it just goes to show that, you know, like that outside and inside don't match and that that's a universal thing, especially for young women, because, you know, I just always was like, Ugh. And even when you and I were going to the same school for a couple of years, I was like, oh, <laughs> like, she's so cool. I'm like the, you know, like if I was the puppy that was like, you know, all over the place, like, hi, what are you doing? Hi, 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 hi. And you just seemed to be like a gazelle that was just like, boop, 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 I'm going. I mean, definitely not how I looked at life, but. To me, you were so cool because you were an incredible artist. And um, I always wished I could. And also you were just nice to everybody and you didn't really seem to care about like you were sort of like elegantly aloof when it came to like all the teenage stuff that would go on. You were like, I don't care. I'm going to go to the art room now and work on my project. So (laughs) pretty much I was like, I don't know. I have no idea what any of you are talking about. And, you know, half of the things that people talked about in their memory things. I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) So I I don't even I read through it and it's like, what was all that stupid stuff? But anyway, well, it was life at the time. Um, Yeah. So one of the things that I have a tendency to do on the show is I have these ideas all the time and Mm -hmm. they're random. I mean, really, I need my own mini shark tank because I'm pretty sure I'm a billionaire in my head like 17 times over. And (laughs) one of my ideas that I was talking about recently is my my makeup line that I want to do called the Emperor's New Makeup. I basically want to sell people like here, here's some makeup. And it's basically it's nothing. But it just when you put it on and you look in the mirror, you're like, dang, I look good. 
I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. Well, you know, color, <laughs> color is, is still kind of on the outs because of all the masks and stuff. So maybe you have something, maybe, maybe. it's the time, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's the whole feel good thing. Um, okay. So let's go back to, so we went to high school together. You went to Skidmore as did I, and then you switched where you were going to school and I want to go into the science piece and like when you started to get into the beauty piece, because it's one thing to say, you know, oh, I'm going to be an esthetician. You, you, there's a whole science to knowing the different things that can go into products and having that knowledge of all natural products and what's going to be good for your skin and how things are going to react. I mean, I'm like, I have no clue about any of that. I'm like, oh, lavender smells pretty. <laughs> well, I, um, you know, I, I didn't, I, it's not something, it's not like I was so great at science. I mean, in high school, I definitely wasn't. Um, I think that when I, so I transferred from Skidmore to university of Chicago and, um, uh, sciences were part of the core you had to take. So it kind of forced me to kind of confront having to be good at that. And once I graduated, I just, I I felt like I could learn anything. I could teach myself anything, or I could study something and know it. Um, when I finished with, um, college and moved to New York, my original intention was to become a photographer but I just really don't have the personality for that. I'm still quite shy. Um, I'm not, um, I'm just not good at like selling myself in that way that you would really need to be to get jobs. And so I went to beauty school as kind of a way of like being a part of that and maybe doing makeup. And then I just fell in love with taking care of somebody. The, the, all the, you know, product formulation and then us, um, you know, I, I had a machine engineered for me and I have, I'm a patent holder on the machine. All of that stuff came really, I really take my clients trust seriously and I wanted to do right by them. And if I was going to put my name on a bottle of something and sell it to them, it had to be really, really exceptional. And so it was really just a, a, a point of like sitting down and digging in and trying to figure it out. Um, and as it happens, I'm, I'm, I figured it out and I'm quite good at it. Um, it's sort of like a, a superpower that you didn't know you had, you know, and in terms of the machine, it was more like, you know, here's this technology. If I'm going to do it on somebody, I better really understand it. And so it was just a deep dive into that. And to this day, I think one of the things I'm good at as a boss is like, you know, most places when you get a job, doing facials, they just focus on like, step one is blah, step two is blah. Really what we do is we train the girls for the science behind it. Um, and, and that way they really understand it in a way that they, they wouldn't have done if we had just done it the same as everybody else. So, um, you know, I have a, a, a salon full of just brainiac, men and women who really understand what they're doing and, and what's physically occurring with the skin. And that's what really makes it good. You know, that's what makes, that's why you would come to me if you, if you wanted to do this transformation, um, 
in your skin and stuff. You want me to, to have command of that enough that I could be like this, this, and this, and you trust me. And then it, and then it does what I said it would do. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the fact that, you know, that curiosity that you were talking about where, you know, okay, this machine that you have, that you have a patent for, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to try it. It's a curiosity that I don't know if it is, it's definitely in your nature. It's in my nature. I mean, I said I have all these ridiculous Mm -hmm. like inventions in my head. I also Mm -hmm. think that being in an all girls school, at least for a part of my education, gave me the space to talk about like the ridiculous I mean you know Eric at the start of the show talks about how I talk about things from the ridiculous to the sublime right I mean Mm -hmm. that's the an environment where you know well if this works why wouldn't this like why can't we do a giant uh, wood rain barrel in the middle of the mountains to catch rain for forest fires and Eric is chuckling at me because this is my current obsession Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like it could work. <laughs> I mean, it could. See? I, I wonder if anybody's thought of it. I mean, it's pretty a pretty good idea. Whatever we're doing now is not working, clearly. So maybe we need somebody to come to you and listen to you a little bit more. I am trying to get, like, there's the, um, the YouTuber Mark Rober, who is, like, he does these amazing videos of, like, you know, the squirrel obstacle course, and he does the glitter bomb, and he does all these crazy things. And he's an engineer and a creative. And I'm like, okay, I'm putting it out in the universe. Come on my show. Let's talk about ridiculous solutions for forest fires. That's awesome. That's really cool. I (laughs) love it. Anyway, but, you know, that that sense of curiosity is what I'm talking about. And that, you know, like, if this, then why not that? And that whole sense of, like, why not that? And that's something that I feel like you really put – to work for you in such a good way with building your business and your brand. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you kind of have to, um, part of being a successful entrepreneur is, is having that, is having that kind of a brain, um, and pushing yourself to the next thing and not just kind of being like, you can't, it doesn't work to be overly cautious or, or to think about things too much. You kind of have to jump in to the deep end and kind of work it out, or at least that's the type of entrepreneur I am. Um, and you know, sometimes that can be painful, but you know, when you jump into a cold pool of water, but you know, um, I'm very much, I know that at this point that I will figure it out and I, and I will, turn it around if I give myself the the space and the time to do so. So I'm, I think I'm less fearful, um, certainly as I get older of trying new things, you know? I do know because I am going through that myself. You know, I think about what you talked about, the whole finding that you have a superpower and that, you know, oh, mm-hmm. my brain works this way. And mm-hmm. I, in the past three years, you know, started my own business and in the beginning was sort of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't even explain to people what it is that I do. I just figured I'm going to keep figuring it out. And since starting this show less than a year ago, I think it'll be a year in November, um, I'm now associated with about 10 different podcasts that are um, some of them are produced here through KKNW. Uh, others are on 
other platforms and in other means. And I'm like, okay, I don't just love the sound of my own voice. I love the sound of other people telling their story and helping them find the space and way to tell their story. Yeah. I think that's, I, I, that's always actually been one of your superpowers. Um, I think you're very generous with your, with your mind and you have you actually have a quite unique way of thinking, which I don't think everybody has. Um, and that's evident when you just, I sit down and talk to you and, you know, the way your brain works, it's, it's quite fascinating. So it's no surprise to me that this is where your life has, has taken you this winding path that, that you're on. Well, and I'll have, you know, as a little side thing that one of the podcasts that I Uh, that I produce and actually co-host is called Between Two Cheeks. And it is a podcast about Brazilian waxing. My client owns her own salon in Issaquah. And Mm -hmm. she is a master esthetician herself. And she she focuses on oncology and she does sugaring. And so she wanted to do a podcast. So we've done a podcast and YouTube channel. And I named it Between Two Cheeks because, hello, um, that's what's going on. And um, I had my first Brazilian um, while we were recording uh, one of the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Right? I mean, the things that I will do for my art. And, um, you know, I was like, "Uh, sure, I can do this. Like, how hard can it be? Okay. Oh, God. Yeah. Your first one. Right. Yeah. The first one is always the worst one. So just so you know. Well, unless, of course, you don't do maintenance, in which case the third one isn't great. (laughs) Yeah, but it does get better. I mean, the more you wax, the you know, the less the hair grows back. Exactly. (laughs) Well, and she is trying to. So um, she competes at the skin games, which I don't know anything about this world, but she competes at the skin games and she um, she's they're now doing sugaring. And I'm like, I'll go as your model. Like my ankles are amazing. I'll totally be your leg model. So, you know, what can I say? I'm, I'm dipping a hairy leg into the, um, the beauty world. Amazing. Um, I love it. So, um, okay. So with building your brand and your business, you know, you, I'm sure like most small business owners like started with, a room and yourself and your own talents mm-hmm. and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And mm-hmm. and it's a real conscious choice to go ahead and put your name behind your your spa, your product, you know, all of those things. Yeah, I mean, on to be honest with you, I was trying to find like a clever name or something else other than my name. I at that point had enough friends who were, um, brand founders, um, in the fashion space that were all like, don't use your name. It's a nightmare. You'll, you'll never own your own name again once you start with that. And, um, and so I was trying to think of like clever turns of phrase I should have called you, but, um, (laughs) anyway, I have like a list of like five or six and I have one client, still my client. I've known her for, over 20 years. Um, she thinks she's my mom. Um, (laughs) and, um, she's in her eighties now 
And I read her the names and I was like, what do you think? And she was like, all those names are stupid. You have a nice name. Just use your own name. This is stupid. And you know how blunt um, older people are. Well, and Um, if they're a New Yorker, then add that to it as well. Yeah. Um, But, you know, she just she said it not to be like mean, but just to be like, snap out of it. What are you doing? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. My name is better than those names. It was like, you know, Lotus Spa or whatever the heck I was, um, (laughs) you know, whatever awful thing I was thinking. And so I just went with it and, um, and you know, and, and that's, that's what we have. That's our brand. What I love about that though, is that it evolves as you evolve. And so as you grow and learn and, you know, you build upon that knowledge, then the the brand evolves with it and it can go through as many iterations as you want. Yeah, totally. And, you know, there's a lot. I mean, I have a lot of stuff I still want to do. So, I mean, I'm sort of working on my next book right now. I'm doing a bunch of research for it. So um, because I quite enjoyed that that a lot writing a book. So, well, you know, there's more more games to be had still. I know. I kind of want to write a, I'm not going to lie, I want to write a book that's sort of like Irma Bombeck-esque. You should. You should. Um, dude, <laughs> write that book. It would be great. You would be great. Have you read, um, I'm going to look at it on my phone because I don't want to say the name incorrectly. Let me just pull up my iBooks. Have you read, um, Nora Ephron wrote this book called I Feel Bad About My Neck? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, like, okay, but like she is sort of the modern, like Irma Bombeck, and just writing about Mm -hmm. these things with such like authenticity and humor and perspective, like perspectacles, like, yeah, they're so important. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I think, oh god, I would uh, sign me up, write that book already. All right, that would be great. I'll do it. Um, so tell me about being a female running a business. Um, I mean, you know, like, first of all, as you know, um, but perhaps your listeners don't know, I, I started the business with my husband. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, um, I think the thing that I'm in right now, which is quite interesting, is that um, as I I just turned 51 a couple of months ago and, um, you know, people kind of in the beauty world, I'm kind of like, you know, one of the Jedis. Right. And but you also like all the all the publications are all skewed very, very young. Mm -hmm. So um, it's quite interesting to be 51 and be in the beauty industry. And what is that supposed to look like? What is that supposed to be like? And I, I feel like I'm carving a new space for myself. When I started the salon, I was told by publications that they felt I was too young to be um, written about. Interesting. And I was in my thirties, you know? Um, and so I, I was told by a beauty director of a very big magazine. I mean, it was nice of her to tell me she cut me from a story and she called me to tell me I was cut. And the reason why was because of my age. Wow. And I know it's so 
Like rather Weird. than Man- celebrating, like the fact I that know. like, look at this. I know. She's so awesome. But instead it was a negative. And um, now I know that um, probably a lot of publications don't write about me because they think I'm too old and I don't, I, I just don't care. Um, because it doesn't matter anymore. You know, it's like you get to this point in your life. Like I'm one of my, um, clients is Norma Kamali and, um, um, and she has really taught me, like, you could go in and out of style. It doesn't really matter. You just do you what's authentic to you and you'll always be successful. I mean, that woman is so successful. Oh, um, her episode of how I built this, uh, with yeah. Guy Ross, like, I was just enthralled. I mean, she's just fabulous. Um, but I loved her episode of that podcast. Yeah. I mean, she's just so admirable and she's in her seventies now. Um, but I, it's, I think it's funny. Like I've definitely been in the room, um, with a bunch of guys and, um, who tried to treat me like I was the child at the adult table. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I'm such a New Yorker and I'm so, um, and perhaps again, to reference what you said earlier, perhaps we were in a girl's school long enough that, um, you know, I'm not afraid to stand up for myself and I'm not afraid to say that something isn't right. And I am not afraid to put someone in their place. I had to do it today. Um, that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really okay with being comfortable in my own skin. And, and so, um, I think it was been, I think it's been more challenging being a Latin woman in this space, um, more than just being a woman because the beauty industry is, is, you know, there are a lot of uh, women in the beauty world, but I'm friends with somebody who uh, worked at Estee Lauder for 30 years. And she was the only woman executive for many, 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 many years of her career. Um, And both of us commiserate about the fact that neither of us really had a mentor. We never really had a woman take us under, there weren't any, mm-hmm. um, to take us under their wing and show us something. We had to just, you know, push our way in and, and figure it all out. And that's how I kind of had, have to frame myself and, and not, and not be sorry about it. That your, your comment about being a, um, a Latin woman in business and beauty was one of my next questions. And, you know, okay. that coming into play, I mean, it's so, great seeing so many, you know, businesses, at least, I don't know, at face value, people are trying to promote, you know, uh, black owned businesses and, you know, um, LGBTQ owned businesses and run businesses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so many different um, small business like areas to support, which is great as long as it's not a hashtag trend. And it's something that, you know, people, it's just part of the everyday. It's like, this is a good product and it does what I need it to do. And so, you know, I'm supporting it. Um, yeah. You know, what What did you run into from, from that standpoint? I mean, I think, you know, what was evident to me when I first got into the beauty industry is that it was very, very skewed one way. I mean, there were... It, it was not um, diverse in any way um, amongst fellow employees. It was not diverse um, in terms of clientele um, or or even just 
the types of treatments that we were offering. Um, and, um, you know, growing up, it was quite difficult for me to, um, like, I never saw anybody that looked um, like me or my mother in any magazine or anything or very few people. And, um, you know, it, you know, you get raised in a certain environment and it's quite difficult. You have to pretend like you don't care, um, what people say to you, but people say quite incredible things thinking that it's okay. And it's not, Mm -hmm. um, I, I really found that to be challenging. And certainly I've had many people, um, as the salon grew bigger, um, question my choices, um, in terms of, um, my staff or what I was doing or even models I would pick for things and stuff like that. I mean, I think it is still, it remains today, unfortunately, a huge challenge to be um, a Latin woman in business because I don't think that, you know, we've got it all sorted out. I think that we have a long way to go and um, we're just scratching the surface of of what needs to be done. But what can I do? I, I have a very diverse team um, I, I grow my company from within it. Um, if someone comes to me that has not had formal training and education, I try to provide that, um, every step of the way so that they can grow, um, whether they can t- continue their career with me or with someone else, I've given them a, a skill set, Um, and, um, I've given a lot of people, a lot of opportunities that I think, you know, unfortunately not many people are willing to do that. So, yeah, I love that you and invest in your people, understanding that that the return on the investment, even if it's not for you, that you know you don't you don't always make everything about you. You know, if right. you're going to invest in your people, it may not benefit you in the short term, but it's meant to benefit them and maybe the people that are in their life. And the domino effect that that has is so much bigger than just that one person. Totally, and you know it's. Um really, um, education is quite important. It's not something that's available to to everybody, um, in the same quality. And, um, certainly we have really tried to focus on that so that my team feels like they're growing as people every day and, and, and that they have something that they have earned the right to have. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. My biggest regret is failing out of Skidmore because while it was what I needed to do, I, I to this day refer to it as academic suicide. I was miserable there. Um, yeah, you told me that at the time. Yeah. And, you know, I I just regret not going to school because it was a time that I could have used to to grow up and be curious and, you know, it's sort of a stopgap between, you know, whatever you're doing and then being a grown up. But that said, the things that I have learned as I've gone along, I wouldn't change a thing. Totally. Totally. I mean, my husband also um, did not um, graduate from college, Um, but we were just Googling the other day. I was like, why can't you go now? Just do get your degree online and just do it just for you, if that's, you know, something that you want to do. And again, it goes back to that. Like, how do you want to frame your, your, your life, this next part of your life, right? You could always do it. 
Well, and my thing is that if I'm at any given table, whether it is working with my client and I'm producing a podcast and they are deciding to work with me or you sitting at a table with all of these other people, by virtue of the fact that you're at the table, you've earned a place. And so, you know, bully for you that you've come up through, you know, whatever means that you've come up through. Well, guess what? I didn't have to do all that. And I'm sitting at the same table as you. I mean, totally. And my husband and I remark on that a lot. I mean, like, you know, he came from Nicaragua. He started school when he was seven because of the uh, war there and the earthquake. I mean, you know, it's just crazy. It's just crazy when you think about how many miracles you have to create to get a seat at the table. And so I don't think people validate themselves enough for that. And I mean, certainly you're one of the wisest people that I know and you don't, I mean, it's just a piece of paper. You know what I mean? You just took a different path. That's all. My kids were very cute. Um, they made for Pete, went to the same school that Grace goes to, Fairfield. And he mm-hmm. always would talk about how he won the airband competition. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, you know, we would go on these tours of the school and he'd be like, I'm sure they just took it down to clean. Like, you know, and so... <laughs> They created a plaque for him that was like, you know, 1985 or 83, you know, air band competition, this whole thing. And um, and then they made a college diploma for me from like, you know, the school of life. And I was like, thanks, guys. That's so sweet of you. That's so nice. Mm -hmm. That's really sweet. Well, and it's it's awesome that, you know, I've I know some people that have not finished school and they've chosen not to tell their kids and, you know, whatever. I'm sort of like. Every time my kids surpass me in something, I'm like, thank God, because you're going to carry the torch and you're going to make the world a better place. So, you know, totally. I'm thrilled for it. It's just totally. amazing, which Grace was in New York this summer doing her internship and uh, she she got offered a job and she's like, that's not enough money. <laughs> she's like, it's New York. <laughs> like, I, yes. I love Grace. Right. I mean, um, so. I kind of want to touch on, you know, one of the things that I noticed with the the Met Gala, and it's a perfect kind of microcosm of what's going on generally in the world, is that, as you mentioned, lots of people couldn't come from various places with COVID and that kind of thing. But there were mm-hmm. so many more influencers. And now influencers are celebrities. And influencers mm-hmm. are, like, basically, like, still little baby foals, like, you know, getting their legs, Mm -hmm. and yet they're fully blown, like, celebrities. Um, Mm -hmm. It's an interesting shift that's taken place. Yeah, it is quite interesting. Um, I mean, I don't expect you to have a comment on that one way or the other, because it puts you in a weird spot, but it's more, it, it speaks to the, you know, you were too young at one point in your career, And now, you know, everybody loves the young and adores and, you know, sees these influencers as the go-to experts on things because they have great TikToks. And, you know, and then now you're like, now I sort of feel like, ugh. And as you said, not that you're listening to others about what they think about you. It's more a, it's just an interesting statement about celebrity culture. I mean, I guess it just depends on how you define celebrity. You know, are you famous or infamous? Are you, um, 
Like my spirit animal I, is Iris Apfel. It's like she just celebrated her hundredth birthday, and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. like that is that's the kind of fame that I would want to have. Yeah, I I get you. I you know I guess like for me I am most uh, just personally I'm most interested in um, creative people and things that they do um, with it and and what they do with their platform once they have one. Um, I don't uh, personally know a ton of influencers, but I do know some, um, and some of them are are very intelligent and, and, uh, you know, quite talented. Um, one person in particular, it was funny. I, I had like a, a moment I was, I was giving her a facial, um, and I was watching her. She was on her phone on Instagram, like looking at Instagram and I, she was like a cyborg. Like she was flipping through <laughs> Instagram so fast and like, looking on like, you know, where, um, you can look at like, um, you know, things that might interest you, not stories, but things that like, she was going through that stuff, like, like a little machine. And she was like, liking, (laughs) commenting, looking at stories, jumping back and forth. And, um, and it, it was remarkable. I was like, wow, that's crazy because I, I mean, if she saw the way I go through Instagram where I'm like reading the post, (laughs) I'm going to like that one. And then I keep on scrolling down like nice and calmly. She was like, right. It's just so generationally different. I I would imagine that my daughter also possesses that skill. I've just, uh, she's not interested in Instagram yet. She's only nine. So, um, so she doesn't do any of that, but it was, it was quite a moment where I really felt, um, aged. <laughs> well, right. And I, you know, I look at, you know, my kids like 18 to 25 and, you know, and they're in that, you know, I'm like, do you know what it's like to experience life? Like not through a phone or a lens, like, you know, like there's something outside that little box. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's just, it's a fascinating thing. Um, Is your 18 year old into social, like say, you know, um, the older kids are, I'm curious just because my son who's 16, he snapchats like just messages and stuff, but he's not really interested. He doesn't, he doesn't post on Instagram. Same. Um, Charlie okay. doesn't post on Instagram. He, you know, he has accounts so that he can see things, um, right. that are current. Uh, he's more right. of a gamer, so he's on Twitch and things like that, but He's really more of an observer, and it seems like it's starting to shift a little bit um, more, where it's really just about communication. Yeah, same with my son. It was just just a mom question. Yeah, well, you know, that's good. Um, Unfortunately, if you can believe it, we're out of time, but um, I would love for you to share with people where can they learn more about you. Um, So my Instagram is Joanna Vargas NYC. Um, my brand is Joanna Vargas, um, joannavargas.com. You could see about the salons. You can see my book. You can find my book on Amazon, Glow From Within. Um, I look yeah. at your products every day. Pete washes with your charcoal soap every morning before oh, he gets in the shower. I, well, you know, I'm like, <laughs> it's good stuff, people. It's really good stuff. 
Um, <laughs> so, you know, you you are a baller and I so appreciate you. you joining the show and um, sharing so much of your time and your talents with me. Of course. My pleasure. Anytime. This was really fun. I'm sad it's over. I know. Well, we'll have to, you know, as you said, we'll come up with something. I'll work on your my book and get you in on it. Um, oh, that's thank, amazing. Thank you so much, Joanna Vargas. Thank you, Eric. Uh, next week, my guest is Ross Krause. He has a podcast here on KKNW as well called The Money Seat. He answers financial questions. So I'm going to grill him. Thanks, everyone. 